0: amen praise god good morning everyone happy to see you here wearing your masks except me of course but it's uh, just want to remind you that this wednesday again we'll be meeting for our prayer service here in the sanctuary there were no technical difficulties last time so praise god for that amen and we're hoping that there won't be any uh, but if you want to come and join us in person the sanctuary will be open you don't have to register just show up and just spend some time with us uh, in prayer, and if you're online and something happens, keep praying. (laughs) Amen? Don't interrupt your prayer just because the connection went down or anything like that. So now it's my privilege to introduce our guest speaker for today, Mr. Fabian Kalapuch. He is one of our New Jersey ministry network leaders. Uh, He's been in charge of student ministries for a while, and now he's got some other responsibilities as ministry, as a uh, missions uh, director as well. So, my paisano Argentino. So, please welcome Fabian. Amen.
1: Obrigado. Brazilian obrigado, right? <laughs> there you go. How are you, Shrewsbury? Good to see everybody out today. And those of you that are joining from home, Pastor Tim, we want to say speedy recovery. Pray that uh, the Lord would touch your back and that you'd be at 100%. Amen, church, right? Great. Well, hey, my name is Fabian Kalapuch, as uh, Carlos has mentioned. I am Argentinian uh, with a Ukrainian last name. It's a little mixed up. Everything's kind of a little mixed up. But I did marry the perfect woman. Um, this has been 32 Valentine's Days together, I think, right? We're, we're married 30, but we've been dated, we dated two years before that, but my wife Dawn is with me today. There you go, and so uh, if you could uh, welcome her, and uh, it is awesome to be here. I love coming out this way and what God is doing in Shrewsbury, and Guy, thank you for the worship this morning, beautiful, just really heartfelt, and that's amazing that we can enter into the presence of the Lord. You know, you don't need a mask. Uh, there was a friend of mine who was sharing a little bit, uh, or I you, you should say, you don't need to take your mask off to worship. There was a friend of mine who was sharing this. Now, I had a hard time. If I can be honest, 2019, 2020 was very difficult for me. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sanguine. I'm a person that likes to see people face-to-face. I'm Argentinian, so I like to talk a lot with my hands and everything else. So 2020 was not good. Anybody else? <laughs> right? Okay, so we were right there. But you know what? God is still good. God is still good, and I, I heard a friend of mine say that the apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament from prison. And you know what? It might be COVID nineteen that has us restricted, but you know what? The power of God still moves. Can somebody say Amen to that? Our lives still move. As a matter of fact, uh, Carlos mentioned I've been the district youth director for twenty. Two years coming this May. It'll be 22 years. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for the one-day winter retreat over at Monmouth Worship Center, Chick-fil-A, oh, come on, glory to God, glory to God, Chick-fil-A. There's nothing, you know, a little picanha is a little better than Chick-fil-A, but, but you know what? When you can't get picanha, you get Chick-fil-A, all right? And man, there we go. Some, some, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what picanha is, talk to my Brazilian brothers and sisters. They'll tell you what picanha is. But but a little Chick-fil-A, and then the speaker, Andy Lynn, he's phenomenal, good good friend of mine, working with the, uh, the high school students and in reaching into their communities, believe it or not, in the midst of what is happening and us being closed down. Uh, Andy and I talked this week, there's three or four different high schools right now that are open to having campus ministries on them. And it, that's just amazing because you know what? We think the doors are closed, but the, but the Holy Spirit breaks through those doors. As a matter of fact, as your missions director, if I can just say a few words to you before I bring the Word of God, in just a couple of weeks, Pastor Tim has lined up some missionaries to come and share And it's exciting that we get to partner with Jesus and what Jesus is doing all across the world. You see, missions isn't just sending people, but missions is helping people get there, praying for people to get there. Let me share a couple of stories with you of what God did around the world during COVID that maybe some of you might not know. Uh, In the country of Spain, and uh, this is a a phenomenal story. The, the, The country of Spain, when they closed down... The industry, the, the sex trafficking industry closed down as well. And that's, uh, that's uh, all over the world, not just in, in the Far East and in different places, but, but trafficking is something that's real. And in the country of Spain, they closed it down. The government had 20,000 individuals who had no idea where they lived, where they came from. They were trafficked into the country of Spain okay, illegally, and they were being sold in prostitution and different things like that. But the, Spain, the government of Spain... The government of Spain contacted Convoy of Hope and said, we need you to help us find ministry or find something for them. So Convoy of Hope, an assembly of God ministry that I know this church supports in one way or another, they were able to find a hotel for these individuals to stay at. They were able to give them food and to help them reconnect back to their countries where they were trafficked from. Can somebody praise the Lord for that? That's, that's in the middle of, in the middle of a pandemic that's that's crazy and then and then Billy and Havila Roman who were in uh Barbados or I think no I'm sorry Antigua they're in Antigua the, the, down in the the islands they went back to their ministry 17 young people got saved off of the streets and they baptized them you should see the video of what God's doing so guess what the doors are closed but the Holy Spirit moves through those doors amen and so I just want to encourage you, uh, if, if you if you don't give to missions, and, and I want to encourage you in the next couple of weeks as you hear from the different missionaries, let God give you a heart for missions. Because you know what? If you are not giving to missions, then we don't understand the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is that none should perish. None should perish. And so we want to partner together with those missionaries, and I know they're going to share a little bit more with you in the next few weeks as to what God is doing missions-wise. And I actually, I was supposed to be speaking here today, or, or next week during during the mission service, but I, I couldn't. Well, anyways, I want to share a word with you today, and uh, those of you that are from home, uh, just uh, bear with me a little bit here as I start up, but the title of my message is Olive Garden Prayers. I figured it being al- being, being Valentine's Day, we'll talk about Olive Garden, right? Uh, if, if, I, I don't know, how many have taken your spouse or your, your date to, to Olive Garden? Some of you have, okay, very good, but I, I don't think that's Italian food. Okay, I live in New Jersey. I work with a lot of Italians, and I found out some of the really good Italian places. I think there's one right around the corner, on 34 here. I remember one time uh, your previous pastor took me there once. It was really good. I forget what it was. But you know it's good in mafioso when the pastor sits with his back to the wall, to the front door. You know that's that's a good Italian restaurant. So I call it Italian, not Italian, okay? But uh, that's not the kind of prayers that I'm talking about. Although the good, they have a good uh, unlimited salad and soup if you've ever done that. So if you are looking for a last-minute date, I'm sure you can get into the Olive Garden today for Valentine's Day. All right, but I want to talk about the, the original Olive Garden prayer, which was found in the, in the Gospels. I, I've been reading the, the Gospel of John for the last few months, and I've been reading verse by verse. And I'm in John 17 right now where Jesus prayed for the disciples, and it's the long version of the short version prayer. And, and, and so uh, today in Mark 14 is kind of where we are going to be parking. It says this in, in Mark 14. It says, Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And that's Mark 14, verses 35 through 36. So the the most craziest week of Jesus' life, if we could say that, I believe, okay? He comes in on Sunday, and everybody's excited that he is going to be the Messiah. As a matter of fact, they're singing Hosanna, which means save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We know it. We call it Palm Sunday. We celebrate it, right? And then he walks into the temple. He overturns the tables. And he gets everybody upset with him. He's uh, he, he has a dinner with all of his disciples on, 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 on Passover dinner. And one of those disciples goes ahead and uh, it, it betrays him. But not only does one betray him, but Peter denies him. Thomas doubts him. So it's just a crazy week. You go from everybody praising you to being alone in the garden now. And that's kind of how this picture sets up as to what Jesus did here. Now, an olive garden... Uh, was named, Gethsemane was the name of the garden. It was actually a grove. It was an olive garden. People think that the garden was pretty with flowers, and that's not necessarily what the garden of Gethsemane was. The garden of Gethsemane was actually an olive grove right outside of Jerusalem. And the word Gethsemane literally means the press of oils, pressed for crushing oil out of olives. You know, uh, if you've ever had a rose in front of you, the, the, the rose so- smells pretty, but when you crush the rose, the, the fragrances come out even more. And the same thing with any kind of a fruit. You know, you can smell an orange, but until you take a bite, the, 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 the juices come together. And this was kind of what Gethsemane was: the press of oils. A, a press for crushing oil out of olives. I love olive oil. Olive oil is extra, 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 extra virgin olive oil. That's the kind I like. The darker the better, the, the more taste that, that, that's in the food. And it, but it has to get crushed. There's a process that you crush it. And and Jesus here, it's so exemplary, or it's such a good example of what he's about to go through. He's about to be crushed. His body is about to be broken. The fragrance of true love on Valentine's Day is when Jesus gave his life, his sacrificial life for you and I. It's one thing to say, hey, I love you. It's another thing to be crushed. And, and to give your, your life for someone, and that's what Jesus did in this particular uh, passage of Scripture coming up. He says this in, in, in the book Gospel of Mark is the word the cup. Now, the, the cup is the Old Testament metaphor for one's destiny. So Jesus is saying, oh, this is the cup that's been given to me. What's your cup in life? What have you been given in life? As a matter of fact, the psalmist write about this. In Psalm 16, verse 5, it says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. So it's what's been given to you in life. That's the cup that Jesus has before him. Psalm 23, 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup of overflows. You know when we look at this passage of scripture, Jesus is about to meet the cross. All the 3 years that he spent speaking into the disciples' lives culminate in this moment. Everything that he did every everything that he's done Every miracle he's created from the resurrecting of Lazarus to the opening of blind Bartimaeus to to different individuals in scripture that Jesus touched. It was at this moment. This was the moment. This was the battle. This was the place where either heaven or hell was going to prevail. The cross ended up being the place where Jesus gave his life. But before he gave up his life, he had to be crushed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we as individuals need to understand it today. We are destined to have trials. Does anybody have any trials? 2020 was one big trial, In 2021 don't look any better. <laughs> you know, it's a big trial, and, and, and so many people have lost their jobs, lost loved ones, different things that have taken place in our lives, and, and I, I want to be honest with you, I wrote this message back in 2019, and as I was looking at this, this has more meaning to me today than when I first wrote this, because I was going through this myself. My wife can attest to it. It was a very difficult time. Besides the crucifixion, Gethsemane was the most intense moment of Jesus' life. In this passage, Jesus t- teaches us firsthand, by example, how to pray when we face our own cup of suffering. And it, I, I don't want to be a moi, moi kind of person. Moi, moi you know that person. Everything's great. Moi-moi, you know, that one that says, oh, look, you know, hey, it's sunny outside. Moi-moi, no, look, there's a cloud. I'm not that kind of person. But I know that in the life, and it's interesting because my wife and I were talking about this yesterday as we were reading in the book of John, the Gospel of John, John speaks of peace and peace and peace. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this before he prays this prayer. He says, In the world you'll have tribulation, but with me you'll have peace. So he's beginning to guide them, he's beginning to lead them. Now, the the other thing that I want to share is that he says the word in verse 36, he says, Abba, Father. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't approach f- f- his father like with this formal formality. I have three kids; they're all 26, 22, and 21, I think. Right? Did I get it right? No, I didn't get it right. I didn't get it right. They're they're up there, right? But I, I remember when they, when they first when they first started driving, not one of them said, "Oh, most holy Father Fabian, of Argentinian des- descent, thou comest here to America." and thou providest for us, may thou givest us the keys to the car. No, my kids never talk to me like that. Like papi or dad, can I have the keys to the car? Dad, can I do this? Dad, can I do that? And that's the same kind of prayer that Jesus is praying here. He's not praying the, the formal prayer, but he's praying prayer out of relationship. See, because when we pray prayers out of relationship, then we have connection to the God that we're talking to. When we pray formal prayers, it's, it's formality, and formality has no place in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is about relationships. So he gives us that example that when we approach him, we approach him not as this uh, judge, but we approach him as this loving father. So he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Two things I want to, or three things I want to point out to you in the short time that we have together. Hope you're still with me there at home, okay? Uh, number one. Jesus prays with faith. What does it mean to pray with faith? Everything is possible for you is what he says there. What does it mean to have faith? You see, faith isn't necessarily the belief that we will get what we want. Because if that was the case, the end of March last year, COVID would have been done. Because all of us had the faith that COVID should stop right then and there. Are you, are you with me? Okay, because if that was the case, if, if faith is twisting the arm of God like many people preach, it is then this thing would be over, but that's not what faith is. You see, faith isn't necessarily the belief that we get what we want. Faith isn't the belief in an expected end, but it is rather the belief or trust in the one who holds the end in his hands. And, and that's a hard lesson to learn for a person like me, and I probably you as well. I'm praying this thing ends. I'm praying it ends, but you know what? God knows and God sees something that I don't. And in that moment, my, my faith isn't necessarily in the vaccine. Oh, I said that. It's going to help people. Thank you, Jesus. My faith isn't even in the mask, and I'll wear the mask, but it's it's in God. And I'm going to continue praying in God, and I'm going to continue protecting myself by wearing the mask. And if the vaccine is what I need to get, that's the, but that's not in the, the economy. I could go on and on to different things that people have faith in. I have faith in the God who holds this world in his hand. I love what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This verse The writer of Hebrews is explaining what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because when Jesus was praying about the cup, he wasn't seeing the cross. He was seeing you and me. And that's where the strength comes from. And that's where he kind of came from. I love what another translation states, that Jesus is the architect of our faith. Architect of our faith. I wanted to be an architect before I became a preacher. I figured more money that way, right? No, God had some other plans for me. My dad was a builder. My dad built a lot of buildings, and, and I don't know if there's any builders in the house. Any builders? Any construction people in the house? My dad, what he would do is he would take my mom's kitchen table and he would use it as a place to read all the plants. And he would study the plants. And he would look at the house, and he built some multi million dollar homes in North Jersey. Some really big, expensive homes with racquetball courts and pools inside. I mean, it, I, when I would go visit him in these jobs, these houses were phenomenal, they were amazing. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes these individuals who have a lot of money when they design something, they don't understand what they're designing. They pretty much make it impossible for the builder to build. There are certain curved walls. And I remember my father saying, ah, oh, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. I can't believe it. This guy is designing this. He needs to get, he needs to get a hammer and try to build this wall. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. And, you know, and he would talk about the architects sometimes not in a good way. But there was one architect I remember he would always talk about up from the Teaneck area. His name was Bruce. I said, Dad, what's different about Bruce? He goes, oh, Bruce, Bruce is a construction worker. As a matter of fact, what Bruce would do is Bruce would visit the job site, and Bruce would bring his hard hat out and his hammer, and he would help my father out in the different places. That's the kind of architect that Jesus is. He's not an architect that has designed your life and your situation and just sits there and watches it. No, he's the kind of architect that puts the hard hat on. And when you're going through the toughest times in your life, he comes alongside of you and he builds your life together with you. That's the kind of God. That's the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about here. Can somebody say amen to that? So we see that Jesus prays a prayer of faith. Secondly, Jesus prays with surrender. Not only does he pray, everything is possible for you. That's that's how simple it is, right? I no. Mean, he doesn't pray it that way. He says, "He says, yet not my will, but what you will be done." We all want our trials to be done quick. We want them all to be done. We want that exam. You know, there's a final exam that you sit down there, and the teacher puts it in front of you, and you're sitting there. Oh boy, it's like Lord, you just try to you try to study really hard. You go. To, try to bring it to your mind. But no, that's not the way it works. But he says, Yet, not my will, not, not what I will, but what you will. You see, it's the battle of the will. It's, it's the will where, the, where, where things take place. It's the will where victory is won. Victory is won when we surrender our will to the Lord and say, you know what? You have a better plan for me. As a matter of fact, you're the designer and you're the architect. So come on down here and help me with that. You see, uh, I, I love the story of Isaac and Abraham. We all know that story very simple, right? As a young boy growing up, I remember, I I always used to think that Isaac was a small little boy. I found out in reading that Isaac wasn't this little five, six-year-old when Abraham put him on the altar. As a matter of fact, the scholars say that he was between 18 and 30 years old, okay? Now, you tell me an 18 and 30-year-old walking with a 99-year-old man, because that's how old Abraham was, and that 18 to 25-year-old, his father starts to wrap him up. Tell me there's not going to be a little bit of wrestling situation, right? You know, Carlos, you're what? 50? 40? 30? 20? 18? You know, you, you know, you know when you, 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 how many have ever, like when your mom or dad are trying to spank you, you know, do we believe in spanking? You try to run away, right? You know, it's like, oh, hmm you know you, you do that i could just imagine isaac because that's how i think isaac looking at abraham no 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 no. you're not gonna get me dad you're not gonna get me Dad. right do you understand that isaac was stronger isaac was more fit physically than his 99 year old father but isaac had to give himself up so that his father could sacrifice his dream very similar to god and jesus in this particular thing isaac looked at him and said well dad you know what you're doing i trust you I have no idea what's going on here, but I'm going to allow my will into your will because you've been dreaming about this for a long time, Daddy, so here. And that's how that really took place, I think. And and, and when we understand something, we, we understand Isaac was willing to give himself up. Abraham faith, had faith, but what about Isaac's faith? A couple years ago, I was in a country of Turkey, and I was walking the streets of Turkey with a friend of mine, and we'd gone to, to do some... Uh, just some visiting and some ministry. I came across a, a young man who was selling cell phone cases. And uh, the man looked at me. He goes, you guys aren't from here. I go, what, what, what makes you think so? <laughs> you know, we're white. We're... He says, because you're not from here. And I looked at him. I go, you're right. I go, what's your name? He goes, my name is Mohammed. I said, okay, Mohammed, where are you from? And Mohammed told me that he was from the southern uh, border of Turkey and Syria. He was actually a Sh- uh, Shiite Muslim that, that had fleed southern Syria or, or northern Syria to come into Turkey and he looked at me and he said he goes, "I wish I could be like you." It took me back and the Holy Spirit gave me a moment there and I began a conversation. I go Muhammad, what do you mean through the translator and Muhammad said these words he goes, if I were to sit there and profess my faith or even have conversation about Jesus they would take my family and they would kill my family. I can't I can't serve your Jesus because of that. And I looked at him, I said, would you if you could? And he says, oh, if I could, I would. You see, there's a difference between I can't and I won't. I can't says my situation doesn't allow me, or there's situations beyond my control that don't allow me to do that. I won't means there's no way possible. And and, and a lot of times we pray the prayer, I won't do that, God, I won't do that, as opposed to I can't. I prayed for Muhammad, and I still pray for Muhammad. I think of him on a regular basis. I told Muhammad to grab a hold of a New Testament and read it every day. My prayer is that Muhammad has come to faith. I have no idea if he has or not, but I know that the Holy Spirit could do a great work in him. So when we sit there and say, God, I can't do this, that's where the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, because through Jesus we can do it. I won't is a will situation. Come on, moms and dads, you know that, right? The child that you have who's got the strong will,
0: nope,
1: I won't, I won't, I won't, versus the one who maybe, oh, I can't get it, so let me come alongside of you and help you with your math. As opposed to, I won't. And so here, God can work with an I can't, he cannot work with an I won't. Fast forward to Gethsemane again, not only do we see Jesus praying in faith, not only does he pray with surrender, but he prays with strength. Oh, that's the beauty of it. When we're in that place, when that cup is before us, when that trial or that test is before our lives, not only do we pray in faith, not only do we pray with surrender, but we pray with the strength. Luke 22, 43 said this, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him right then and there. That is beautiful. Do you know that when you're praying and you're going through your tests and your trials, that the Lord knows and he sees everything that's going on and he sends the strength and the reinforcement, and there's nothing. Just like Job, the story of Job is phenomenal for us to understand. What it, you know the story of Job in the Old Testament. Job was a righteous man before everybody, and the enemy, the devil, comes to God and says, hey, I want Job. God said, listen, do everything but don't take his life. You can't take his life. You can't touch his life. That's the God that we serve. He can't, once we are bought by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, and we've accepted that, there is nothing on earth that can separate us from the presence of God. Not even death could separate us from the presence of God. And that's what, what he says here in strength. I love Daniel. I, I, I'm going all over the place, but, but the Bible really speaks of the examples of how God is with those who trust and believe in him. I love Daniel chapter 3, 24 through 25. We all know the story of the three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. These young men came in from, from exile, and they were asked to, to bow before uh, their, their king. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace. As a matter of fact, Hillsong wrote that song, Another One in the Fire. We sing that in different churches. That's about this particular story. But in Daniel chapter 3, 24-25, Nebuchadnezzar threw these three Hebrew children into the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar wakes up, and he looks through the window, and instead of three people, he sees four individuals. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Every trial that we go through, people looking at us are going to say, What is that peace that passes understanding that that person is living? Well, that's peace. Jesus is peace. He's our peace. The Bible says He's our peace. He promised to never leave or forsake us. And you know what? On Calvary, God never left Jesus. He couldn't see the sin that he was bearing, but he didn't leave him on that cross. When he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Had nothing to do with Jesus or God's presence leaving. It had to do with God not being able to see the presence of sin on his son. I I remember a few years ago, quite a few years ago, my daughter was about 10 years old. And um, we we have three kids. Um, how many, you, you understand the first kid, you do everything right. right. By the book, everything's okay, everything's good. The second one, eh, after the third one, forget about it. It's kind of, okay, yeah, you defend fend for yourself. You know, our first one, he would, you he hear him in the middle of the night cry, we'd go, and we'd take care of him and that kind of stuff. Well, well, by the time Michaela was young, she'd come crying to the room. She'd go, Daddy, I'm scared. I would just lay a hand on her and say, Jesus, just bless her. Boom, go ahead, on. You know, that kind of thing. And, and we, we we love pillow fights. We love pillow fights in our house. As a matter of fact, we're the only ones around and we still have pillow fights. It's kind of fun. But uh, tension is good when you when you have that, right? You have that. So so my, my son Andrew, has this therapeutic pillow that's super heavy, the, the you know, the, the ones that kind of bend to your head and all that kind of stuff. And it was heavy, and they they were having a pillow fight, and I remember Michaela at 10 years old, she's like, no. And and all of a sudden, the pillow bent her finger back all the way. Yeah, and, and, but you know, it gets bad, Carlos. It gets really bad because as I'm sitting there looking at her finger, we're like, oh, it's okay, baby. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, Jesus, we just pray you touch her finger and that kind of thing. Three days later, the finger is turning blue and black and green and all those wonderful colors. We're at a friend's house who's a nurse. And she looks at us. She goes, oh, you better go get that checked out. I'm like, Really? Like, yeah, yeah, it looks a little broken. I mean, you know, he's walking around like this. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. So we go and 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 then find out that the finger is broken in two places, and and poor mom. I told her the whole time. I said, you know, we need to take the girl to the hospital. Mom's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. And so so we make the appointment, and the 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 doctor says, okay, well, you've got the X-rays. You got to go follow up with a with a hand surgeon. I'm like, okay. I'm like, honey, you got to take the, the baby. to. She goes, no, I can't. I got a hair appointment that day. I'm like, you're serious. Does, is any husband the same way? Come on. Are you with me? This is Valentine's Day. Time to confess a little bit, right? You know what I'm talking about. The most inopportune times, she happens to have a hair appointment. Like we were giving away our dog that was demonic possessed because the dog had lived with us for two years and I had to take it out to the farm. She had a hair appointment. You know you understand what I'm saying? It's not that bad. She She's she, she, she really good. But this time she did have a hair appointment. So I go, and the doctor, my, my little 10 year old, they put her up on the, on the, on the seat. And I'm looking at the doctor, and the doctor says, Oh, because we have to put an injection. In her, and I'm thinking, in her arm, you know, to numb it, right? Everything's good. And, and he goes ahead, and she's like, she goes, Daddy, don't let him hurt me. I'm like, No, baby, I'm right here. He ain't going to hurt you. He ain't going to hurt you. He takes the injection, and instead of putting it here, puts it right where the finger's broken. Okay, and he's old school. He's not like one of these new doctors. He's like an older gentleman from the European country, wherever you want to talk about. He pulls out a pencil and he breaks the finger twice, like, exactly. And it, and I'm, I'm 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 like, you. She goes, Daddy, and I'm like, I'm. Well, I want to punch the guy in the head. Like, what are you doing to my daughter? And he goes, I'll fix. And he walks out. And then my daughter grabs a hold of me and she's. <laughs> She goes, Daddy, I'm so glad you were here. And you know what? How many times do we want God to fix the situation? But all it means is that he's there. The pain is going to hurt. Her finger is fine. It's not out to here. Everything's good. We learn now when the finger starts turning blue or green, we kind of go, go, go. But in the midst of the pain, more than me coming in and beating her and saving her day, the fact that my presence was in that room was what my daughter needed in there. And when we're sitting in the doctor's office of this life, whether it's COVID, whether it's a loss of job, whether it's a divorce, whether whatever the case might be, whatever the cup that you have before you today, I'm here to tell you that his presence never leaves you. His presence never leaves you, and that is important for us to understand because it's with a prayer of faith, a prayer of surrender, and knowing that his strength is there and never leaves us nor forsakes us. As a matter of fact, it says he's going to be with us till the end of the age. Jesus might not take that cup, but as we have faith and surrender our fears, his presence grants us peace, removes our fears, and gives us strength to endure to the end. And from this experience of crushing, he will use it for his purpose and his plan. Whatever you're going through, he's gonna use it. I can't wait, Carlos, to get to heaven. And and, and we're in heaven and we we're looking at these like an art I, I think it's gonna be again, I'm so loco. a uh, little touching the head here. I think I think that heaven's gonna be this big art gallery. And here we're gonna have the life of Carlos. And we're gonna see all the little pieces of Carlos's life. And Carlos's gonna be like, Fabian, I remember this was a hard part of my life, but look how beautiful it turned out in the picture of everything. Because Romans 8:28 says, For all things work together for the good of them that are called according to his plan and purpose. And it's not just words from the Apostle Paul. My Jesus lived it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was going through that prayer and that cup and the cross all things, if even the cross works together for the good of them that are called according to His plan and purpose, the cross pale, or our, our, our problems pale in comparison to Calvary. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you for the time that we've had together, Lord God. Lord, we pray right now for Pastor Tim at home, Lord Jesus. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Jehovah Rapha, Come healer. Right now, just touch his back, Lord Father, as he is recuperating, Lord Jesus. We just pray in the name of Jesus, there would be 100% healing in Pastor Tim's back. And Lord, he'll be back here preaching the word and pastoring the church that he loves so much. Lord God, we just pray for him. Lord, not just Pastor Tim, but each and everyone that's here, each and everyone that's watching at home, Lord Father, whatever the cup is that we're going through, Lord Father, maybe it's the cup of this pandemic that we're still dealing with, Lord Father. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one that we are mourning. Lord Father, you are there in the room, just like I was in the room for my daughter. You're there constantly, Lord God, as we go through the pain, as we go through the suffering, Lord Jesus. And Father, just as Jesus prayed in that garden, that place of crushing, he prayed Not my will, but your will be done, Lord Father. Take our situations. Take the trials that we're going through. And Lord, may we not waste the pain. May we not waste the pain, but may we use the pain for your purpose and for your glory, Lord God. We pray it all in that powerful name of Jesus. Amen.